<clears throat> what I do love about the society I live in now is that people love to learn. They love to listen. And it's taught me that no one has control over where they're raised, where they're born, how they're brought up, or the ways that they seek out community. The cultural differences that I recognize every day, I'm able to use in creating a platform at my job, the community that I'm helping to build, so that everyone feels part of something. They feel recognized, not polarized. Building relationships had always been my strength. Words had always been comfortable for me. But I never thought that I would be helping to build, launch, and grow an app within a small but powerful tech company. Tech was most definitely not a word that I thought I would be living in professionally. My name is Innocent Mugenga, and you're listening to the Learnability Podcast, an exploration of how society interacts with technology and you. In today's episode, we're hearing from Charlotte Manning, who shares a story about home and community. And it's a fitting story being that she's the community manager of a female professional network called Han. Her online network. Enjoy. There's a memory I've replayed in my head about a million times since I was four years old. Probably subconscious at this point. I'm sitting in the back of a taxi van surrounded by 80s luggage and the sound of my older brother's crying. I'm focusing my gaze out of the back tinted window, emotionless, quiet, just trying to make sense of my mother's soothing voice in distress. Bjorn, our next-door neighbor, who always teased me for my hair, was waving us farewell from the courtyard of the only childhood I ever knew, Agnes Betty Solna. My dad was stone-faced and tired, as if he was about to be the uprooted child, though as America would soon teach me, his silence was not uncommon. Less than 48 hours after moving to the United States, I fell down a flight of stairs and broke my arm in two places. If that gives you a sense of just how different life had become, the moment my family flew across the ocean. When I tried to identify myself with the culture in the States and tried to find community, it was not easy at first. Adjusting to life in America was not an easy introduction. My older brother was eight years old, my sister was six, and I had just turned four. We didn't speak a word of English, and we were black. We moved in with my grandparents on my mom's side in White Bear Lake, Minnesota, a 110% white suburb with a strong sense of ignorant Christianity, lots of money, skewed opinions, and a major staring problem. It always bothered me and my siblings to see how easily people could dismiss us as cultureless, simply for being black kids. Meanwhile, they had no understanding or respect for the heritage that was ours. Ironically, everybody in Minnesota seemed to claim Scandinavia as their heritage, their ancestry. But in the forms of Lutefisk church potlucks, lingonberry jam in the fridge, and overusing the phrase oofta, which I think they intended as oyoyoy, although they couldn't translate either into Swedish. Being Swedish was always the thing I bragged the most about in elementary school. 
probably because it always felt like the one thing that nobody could take away from me. It made me feel special knowing that I was born in a different place. I had a story, something that was valuable and something that was different than the people around me. Growing up in a predominantly upper white middle class area with engraved Scandinavian ancestry, I always felt like I was wearing my best mask. I was a best friend to many. I played sports. I was loved by my educators and supported by my family all the way through. Yet somehow I always felt heavy and hidden, hiding secrets in the bottom of my chest, like mismatched socks in an underwear drawer. My family was always poor, in a not-so-poor neighborhood, and I was the black friend in a majority white friend groups, church rooms, and classrooms. My parents were like soldiers in the workforce, balancing five to six jobs between the two of them, though I never told anyone that. And still, we never made the rent. By day, I was an above-average student with a positive social life, and by night, I found myself doing homework by candlelight because the electricity bill hadn't been paid and showering at my friend's place because the hot water got turned off. I was constantly reminded of where I really was on the societal pyramid, whether or not my community and society saw it the same way. My family had been equally comfortable in Minneapolis as we were traumatized by life in America overall. Sweden had always been the before that I wished I had gotten to experience more of. And that is exactly where my desire to move back to Sweden was rooted in. My parents did a great job of keeping our Swedish heritage alive in our home. Whether it was a morning surprise of Swedish pancakes on a month where we had more money, or hanging the Christmas star in the window around the holidays, I always felt a feeling of safety in knowing that I had a story. I had a home. I always had this feeling that I would move back. I just didn't know when or why, or even if it was possible. I had no dream job in mind, no specific set of goals. Rather, I just felt like I could really never know myself without taking into account who I am, where I came from, my Swedishness. My whole life had been somewhat of an identity crisis, trying to find ways to feel comfortable with a white mother, with a black father, with different stories, with different backgrounds, and knowing that the only thing that tied our family together was Sweden. cultural differences was something that took me until moving here to even realize or recognize. People in Minnesota or in the States in general are much more open. Swedish people are far more reserved. You really feel like you have to break down a brick wall in order to get to know people here. But what I do love about the society I live in now is that people love to learn. They love to listen. And it's taught me that no one has control over where they're raised, where they're born, how they're brought up, or the ways that they seek out community. The cultural differences that I recognize every day, I'm able to use in creating a platform at my job, the community that I'm helping to build, so that everyone feels part of something. They feel recognized, not polarized. The other day, in an interview, I was asked if as a kid I dreamt about the life and job that I'm living in now? And my answer was both yes and no. I didn't know what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be until just a few years ago. 
I just knew that I would end up working in a leadership role, probably because of my love for verbal communication and my deep, passionate love for human beings. Building relationships had always been my strength. Words had always been comfortable for me, but I never thought that I would be helping to build, launch, and grow an app within a small but powerful tech company. Tech was most definitely not a word that I thought I would be living in professionally. When I was younger, living in the States, my family moved a lot. From age four to 18, I lived in over eight houses, which at the time I hated. I was embarrassed by it. I thought it made my family look bad. But I've learned to appreciate it now. Home really has no meaning to me in ceilings, walls, and a warm bed. Home has no meaning to me in a family dinner around a circular table. Home has always been where my mother was, where my sister was, where my brother was, and sometimes where my father was. Home was where I could let my afro loose. Home was where I could say whatever I needed to say and feel okay. When I made the conscious adult decision to move to Sweden, the most crippling emotion I felt was complete fear. Fear that I would be torn between these two places I knew as home. Fear of not being able to communicate properly and having communication be my biggest love language. Fear of having no action plan, little money, and mostly just the fear of rejection from myself and from others. I was scared that I would have no way of fitting in to my own home. The summer I moved here, I had the odd but beautiful experience of sitting smack dab in between my legally separated parents during a restless nine-hour flight from Minneapolis to Stockholm, Arlanda. We were all freezing and laughing the entire time as they both shared whispered stories of Stockholm, blues bars, and society of Sweden in the 80s. Somewhere between ordering the entire snack menu and crying, I had the strongest sense of returning to home. I remember sleeping on my dad's shoulder, my mom sleeping on mine, and just having a moment of quiet, realizing that life is a cyclical and unavoidable riddle of just trying to figure out who we are, trying to better understand ourselves. I try to remind myself now in my day-to-day life that life for me has always been physical movement and change, usually unavoidable, usually out of my control, but it's a part of me. And it's helped me to appreciate the aspects of a house, of a structure, that make it a home. I think that my life and and the way that I was raised, the consistent movement that my family made due to lack of finances, has become one of my strengths in building community. As a community manager for an app for women that is built off of diversity and built off of shared experiences and completely polar opposite experiences, I've realized that my strength is in helping people to recognize that everyone belongs anywhere you want to. Running a community that's not geographically specific, but based in Stockholm, has been a learning experience. Every single day, I'm connecting with women from all industries, of all races, ages, life stories, and realizing that everyone just wants to feel seen. Everyone just wants to feel heard. And there is no boundary, no border, nothing geographically specific about that feeling. That is an international and human need to feel belonging. Thank you for sharing. 
Thank you for letting me share. <laughs> it was a beautiful uh, story and, and you really sharing your journey. And luckily enough, you're really good with words. So I, I, I could see <laughs> the journey in front of me. Yeah, it's interesting because I, for me, writing is so easy. Putting words, you know, like thoughts into words is like, you know, second nature. But saying things out loud, sometimes mm. you really realize that it's, you have to curate things in a way that people will understand. Um, especially when you're talking about your life, you know, you want it. There's only one way that I understand it. Oh, yes. Um, but in order to have others feel something, you need to kind of reevaluate sometimes mm -hmm. those words. Talking about uh, speaking up or having conversations, rather. Yeah. You spoke about uh, that moment on the airplane where yeah. you're sharing stories with your parents. Yeah. And like, I, I can relate to a lot of these points in your uh, mm. story and your journey growing up in totally homogenous areas, yeah. having moved a lot with yeah. a single mother of two. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can relate a lot to mm. what you're saying here. It got me thinking about the conversations we have yeah. with our parents. Yeah. Like, have you shared this type of, like your experience of this journey? And I don't, because I know I haven't. Yeah. I, I don't think I have in the way that I, I should um, and that I want to. Um, and you know, my, I, I grew up very close with my grandparents, oh, yeah. um, on both sides of my family. My, my dad was an only child, just grew up with, you know, basically just his mom, um, and his stepdad, uh, and my mom's side of the family, the grandparents that I lived with for the first year in the States were, you know, they were like parents to me. Oh, yeah. Um, and just this past summer, my, my grandma, my New York Harlem, beautiful grandmother passed away. Um, and she like was the last, she, it, I mean, it was expected, but she was the last living grandparent that I had. Um, and that was, I flew to New York and I was there for, you know, a week and a half with my sister and my brother and my dad. And we all have a very complicated relationship with my dad. Um, but that was sort of the first time where we really sat down and just, you know, thought about how life has been for us. And how so much of, you know, our growth, both living in the States and sort of this repatriation that I've experienced moving back here has really, you know, triggered both positive and negative memories oh, of yeah. just this whole sort of uncontrollable life crisis that I felt like I was put in as a child. Um, and so I think this podcast, I hope my parents listen to it. I'm sh I will make them. Um, I think there are so many things that I'm learning every day um, that I'm taking notes in my phone of, of like, I can't wait to sit and tell my mom oh, yeah. about this. This might um, open the conversation. Maybe this will open the floodgates yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it, it is something that I, I want to do. And my, you know, my goal in life would be to write a, a book just because I think everyone's life is worth a book. Um, everyone has a completely different story to tell, but I think for me, it's writing is mediation. It's a way of me really thinking mm. about how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling that way. Um, and Creating so many clearer thoughts, exactly, maybe, yeah. exactly. And so much of that is, you know, just having moments where memories come up. Mm. Um, and I think being back in Stockholm now as an adult, I'm, you know, walking past Solna, my old neighborhood. And all of a sudden I remember these things that I experienced when I was three or four. Um, and it's just crazy. It's very crazy. It's kind of full circle. Um, but I definitely hope to have more conversations with my parents about the whole journey because they lived third as well. It's really beautiful. You made me realize like um, how this podcast might open that conversation. Yeah. I remember I was quite shocked. I, I published when I um, 
when I put out a new episode, I publish it in my social media. Yeah, yeah. And of course, but I have my mom there. Yeah. And then I find out, oh, wow, she's listening. She's yeah. actually listening to of the conversations. Yeah. And, and now she knows what I do. Yeah. And probably knows you better. Exactly. And, and, and really your thoughts as, yeah. a, as an adult male, you know. Yeah. Um, exactly. And I think that's also sometimes I think the separation from your parents. Um, for me, it was really important. I, I love both of my parents very deeply, but, um, you know, there was a lot of things as a kid that made me angry, um, because I knew that they were things that kids shouldn't have to experience or live through. Um, and a lot of that was also out of their control. But when you're young, you blame your parents. Um, and I feel like I'm, t- I talk to my, my boss and my friends about these things all the time because we're all, you know, every, doesn't matter what age you are, you're always trying to come to terms with sort of how you were raised and how that affects, you know, your behavior as an adult. Um, and so, yeah, I think the separation has been meaningful because it's helped me to better understand my parents and respect them and appreciate, you know, the things that they did for us, even if it kind of, you know was challenging for a lot of a lot of the time and what i realize is like when you're the most upset or in your emotions the most Mm. like it's let's say your teens or early teens Mm. somewhere there um you really can't see it from their perspective it's not until you start growing older and and so it's good to get that space and let it breathe and let it formulate in a proper way exactly and i think a lot of it also is just like individual growth like i you know, when I was younger, I really disliked my my father um, because he just wasn't present in the way that I felt a father should be present in his children's lives. Um, and now I'm at a point where I realized that that was sort of, uh, you know, he that he was only behaving and acting as a product of the cycle that he was brought up in, which was, you know, having his dad leave when he was two oh, yeah. um, and then being raised by by someone else. So I think that so much of my, you know, it's, it, you understand yourself when you really put yourself in your parents' position as people, not as your mom and your dad, you know, um, as people and humans who also have gone through life's traumas. Besides um, the titles and Besides and the titles, roles, exactly. Yeah. Um, and to me, then it makes me be like, that is my mom and that is my dad. And I love them, you know, despite anything that could have, you know, tarnished that view of them when I was younger. Um, I, I respect them and I am happy in some ways for, for the struggles that I had growing up because it's made me an open book. Um, and it, I think, I hope that I understand people who are struggling, um, in a way that to them feels, you know, loving and, and empathetic. That feels like a super productive and helpful, not conclusion, but a step towards a conclusion and yeah. moving on and yeah, yeah. A, a productive mindset that will help you uh, build a new relationship or just move on definitely definitely i think i mean i think that's the thing is we have to you not you don't forget things you know like the things that we that are out of our control as children follow us our whole lives but it's like how are you going to use that energy talking about being uh, being children yeah you you spoke about uh, you as a child, mm. maybe not being able to dream about what you're doing today yeah. and what you're yeah. accomplishing and the person you are today. Yeah. And I want to connect that to Han yeah. and, and the network you're doing. Mm. And was it maybe lack of exposure, having characters and people that you could relate to, basically? I, I, def- I think it's multi-sided. Yeah. Um, I think a, a huge part of it definitely is growing up in a white area. Um, you know, I, I have very great relationships with the friends that I grew up with still. Um, and they are, you know, the closest people in my life, but I think 
there was always a sense of not really being able to put myself in a future uh, the way that my friends idealized about. Um, And I compared myself a lot, um, not simply just for being black and being one of two, you know, black girls in a friend group. Um, But I think I also compared myself for not having, I didn't grow up seeing my parents own things. Um, We didn't own a car. Uh, We didn't own a house. We still don't. Um, And so there were many things I think that I just didn't feel like I was capable of ownership. I didn't think I was capable of really being able to claim something as my own um, because the way that, you know, my siblings and I saw life was that you don't really get to keep, (laughs) you don't always get to choose what you get to keep, even if you want it. Um, And you really have to work harder than a lot of other people to, to claim those things. Um, So I think that's one side of it. Um, And then another side of it just being just like, you know, we talk all the time about just the lack of representation overall. And that's, you know, rooted in the educational system that's rooted in what kids are being taught. Um, And I think, you know, when you see this in your in my personal life and in my personal circle, seeing my the lack of representation um, and then turning on the TV, you know, watching shows and things that inspired me and seeing a lack of representation. Um, I just, I didn't believe that I couldn't do it, but I just didn't really think about what I could do. Exactly. Um, I never really thought that I would have the potential and the, you know, sort of a bit of power in, 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 in anything. Um, I was listening to a podcast actually, I think it was today or yesterday, mm. and they were talking about uh, privilege mm. and how the person who is privileged many times or often or maybe always don't really realize that they're privileged exactly so they explain it like uh, two people running in a race yeah and the one having you know these parasuits that that makes it harder yeah exactly the other one not having it yeah and not realizing that the other one has there's an advantage there yeah yeah i'm running at normal pace yeah it's you who's not running exactly and in some way like the way you're explaining here you're talking about not realizing as well that I have a parachute. Just yeah. this is the tempo I can run in. Exactly. So I'm exactly. Do the best with this. Exactly. Not realizing that I can remove this and 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 fly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's some that's like a part of me wishes that I would have said yes to more things when I when I was younger. And because we were privileged, like I think everyone, even people who grow up without privilege, still have privilege over yes. someone else. You yes. know. Um, and that's something that I, my, my brother is, you know, my greatest inspiration in life. And that's something that he's always done a really good job of sort of helping to teach both my sister and I, he kind of had to step in as the father figure role for a majority of our life. Um, and you know, we would be sitting in the dark, (laughs) the three of us like eating ramen noodles for like the eighth day in a row and that in the dark and not really complaining about it. Cause that was what we lived. Um, and my brother still always found a way to help other people and bring other people into um, sort of a headspace of feeling, um, feeling a part of something. So I think, you know, that lack of privilege that I had, um, was the people that I had around me, my brother, my, my mother, my sister, they helped me to realize that even with privilege and without privilege, there's still a lot that you can be doing to, to recognize other people. You know, there's no people who are unprivileged Mm. still have a a duty. Um, and, and so I think that that, has, you know, really guided me to what I'm doing now with work and just realizing that living in Stockholm can be difficult sometimes. I find it, I still compare myself with everyone Mm. and with my friends and just knowing people who have grown up with far more privileged lives than I have, um, but still seeing that I have a duty um, and I have a voice. So I'm going to use it to include 
people who are even less privileged than I am. For us to realize that while we're on our individual pursuit and trying to fulfill ourselves, if that can be aligned where we're doing that while still helping others. Exactly. So make it a part of raising society in large. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly why I think that this this role and, you know, me being the community manager at Han has been such a sort of impactful experience for myself. Yeah. Um, and also just recognizing that people, I've, I've always been told that people kind of gravitate towards me. Um, and I think that's just because I am so open, sometimes too open and not everyone appreciates it or, you know, wants to be like given a bear hug the second they walk in the door. But that's the kind of person that I am. And so I think, you know, being in this position, I, it's, it's, I mean, it's an honor really to be able to help guide women that are older than me, that are far more experienced and that have had no struggles in their life um, to the same extent, at least, you know, helping them to still realize that there are things that we're lacking in our own personal lives, in our own personal needs and wants as women, as professional women. And just kind of, I mean, if, if being unprivileged has gotten me to a place where I can, um, you know, provoke that sense of ambition in other people. To me, I'm like, it's worth it. hundred percent. Let's speak more about Han. Yes. I remember My the favorite time, topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the, the time you, you, we spoke, we had a coffee, yeah, we yeah. looked in and you showed me a little bit of this mm-hmm. uh, um, service. Yeah. And I was super excited and I've, and I've been excited ever since. And yeah. I've tried to like pinpoint what is my excitement about. Yeah. So first I thought like the first thing I formulated was I'm excited that I didn't know about this. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not really, or that I'm excluded. Yeah. But that's not really it because I'm excluded from a whole other different things. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm, uh, I realized today, actually coming into this, I was like, I have to get this thought clear. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's totally clear yet, but I realized that I guess I'm conscious of so many, um, harmful communities out there. Yeah. If it's uh, different extremism groups or yeah. different harmful yeah. groups for society in large. Yeah. And I, I'm aware of them. I mm-hmm. know they're there. I'm not invited. I'm excluded. Yeah. And finding out then that there's something beautiful there's something huge here empowering yeah and it's it's been out there for a while and i haven't known of it yeah that makes me realize oh there's probably things are happening yes things are happening yeah and i mean han to give i guess a a little spiel about that it's that's the whole function and purpose of what we're doing um has never been about excluding anyone um but obviously when you are a woman um and in my case when you're a black woman you know, life hands me challenges every day um, that men just will never understand. Um, But it's not their fault that they will never understand. You know, it's not your fault if you're born a man or a woman or whatever you identify as. And so I think um, sort of our our goal with Han is to be able to create this network, a professional female network, um, you know, for any kind of woman. Um, There's no definition of who a professional woman should be. Um, and thank God we live in a society now where like those rules are changing. There is no, you know, nine to five work culture isn't the norm Mm. necessarily for everyone. It doesn't have to be. Um, but I think with Han, what we're kind of trying to, to target is just, there is a a need in every woman that I've ever met in my life for community, for community that is not based on, you know, kind of pushing, arming people out of your way to get to the top. 
which for a lot of a lot of experienced women and for my boss who, you know, who was the founder, she had been experiencing that kind of of like just very toxic environments in yeah. her previous work. Um, and so obviously being a professional is just one part of who we are. Um, but I think women are we're very intuitive. Um, and I think that it's sometimes it feels almost more restricting when you walk into a space where you have to put a hat on. You have to either be the professional, you know, you have to be the woman, the one woman sitting in a boardroom, or you have to be, you can be yourself and talk about things that are happening outside of work. Um, and sort of Alexandra and, and my understanding is that why does there have to be, why do we have to be one or the other? Why can't we be both? Um, because I think when real community and healthy community is based off the understanding that all of us have baggage, we all have, you know, shit. (laughs) Um, and we also all have a lot of potential and a lot of sort of unlocked potential things that we just need someone to kind of shine a light on, um, in order for us to be like, Oh, I I can do that. I, I do have the, everything I need, um, to, to be successful in the way that I deem success. But sometimes you just need to sort of step out of, of those toxic environments and really be intentional. Yeah. And that's also, I think, my, you know, my favorite part about Han is that we're not forcing, no one's being forced to be a part of it. The women who are, who are a part of the network are, are choosing to be a part of it because they have seen the value um, in being intentional with conversation, being intentional with people you don't know, being intentional with um, just what it is that you, what your plan is for life, you know, um, and, and sort of how you find yourself getting there. So I think the intention of, of our community sets us apart from a lot of other, you know, communities, whatever that is. Um, because we were, we're there for no other reason than just to, to be in community yeah. and to grow. And we, I think we're all, I can speak for almost on behalf of the community, I guess, when I say that it's, it's a really, it is a really beautiful experience. Um, and being able to work for it, it's like, you know, it's my, my dream job <laughs> and being, a being able to help manager with that. With it's a so fun. It's so much platform. fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love people. So for me, it's like, it's driving my energy. I love it. And we've been experimenting a lot with like the community part and we've been yeah. repeatedly talking about collaboration yeah. and how we can enhance Positive wider collaboration. collaborations. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And, and I'm looking forward to learning more from you and, yeah. and what you're doing yeah. over there. What are you excited about uh, looking forward or what are you, what you got going on? What do we have going on? Well, I'm kind of, uh, I grew up with a brother who was obsessed with basketball uh, and he always, you know, there's this thing in America called March Madness. It's when all the university teams are, it's like a game okay. in March where it's just game after game after game every day, basically back to back. Um, and I've been joking with my boss that we're entering into March Madness. Oh, yeah. But in terms of Han events, <laughs> redefining the N- NBA slogan. Um, and I think we have a lot of exciting things coming up. We're finally getting to the point as a company where people are coming to us. Yeah. You know, bigger companies, bigger brands, people are reaching out to us and, you know, just saying, hey, we see what you're doing um, and we see that it's working and we want to be a part of it. Um, and so, for example, we have our first of an ongoing series with Forbes, um, an event that I'm going to be hosting on Wednesday. Wow. Um, yes, I'm nervous, but I'm excited <laughs> to be facilitating a panel discussion. Um, oh, yeah, I think I saw that one. Yeah. It's with, uh, it's with Sophia, Sophia Benz, Benz, who is right? one of our first ever investors. This, I mean, she's an incredible woman, businesswoman, and has, you know, she's just the investment guru yes. <laughs> of Stockholm and of Alma and of Han, I guess. 
um, and as well as Nora Baby, who Nora is Baby. amazing. Um, and so the two of them are going to be um, speaking about how to start and scale female owned and operated businesses, which is such a like you hear that and you're immediately like, what? What do I what do I possibly have to learn from that or get from that? Um, but we have, you know, about 100 members coming to that um, for breakfast. Um, and it's just going to be a really we call we call the series Honestly Talks. So Honestly, that's like yes. the ongoing series we have of of these just incredibly powerful and and you know just inspiring women who are using their power for really good things um them coming in and just picking up a mic and kind of schooling us a little bit um school that's a good word i want yeah. to say I've, I've been speaking a lot to nora nora yeah. oh, I and love her. Yeah. she has so much great insight so yeah. i can see this would be very valuable for yeah. anyone thinking of going this i is, think so uh, too and i think i mean i also like you know being the community manager i get a lot of say if not like kind of full say in who we have coming in for these sorts of talks um and i think it's rare that you that when you go to you know other sort of networks or these you know pr events and things like that that you see uh you know two women who don't look the same mm. at the front with the microphone talking and sharing their stories um and so for that i'm you know i'm just excited for to kind of i think the series is going to help our members sort of that behavior of understanding that this is what success looks like it's not just one person um there's no like swedish look to it it's yes. just you're a human and you can use your success for good or not um and so i think that's going to be really really interesting and i'm excited to have forbes exactly <laughs> helping us yes. i think that's so cool that's a yeah. great collaboration yeah, definitely and what you're saying here, like, th that's what we try to do here at Learnability, like mm. try to learn from people in the middle of their journey. Yeah. So not yeah. like just looking back in exactly. hindsight, in the middle, yeah. we're building this right now. And exactly. this is what I learned yesterday. Exactly. I mean, it's never, I think the more, I, I personally feel like I relate to people more who sometimes are kind of lost, you know? Uh, and I think that's because we all, to some degree, feel that a little bit every day. Um, we're never a hundred percent sure about everything. And that's, you know, that's probably the only thing that every human in the world has in common is yeah. that we don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I do think it's I think it's more valuable sometimes to to listen to what people have to say um, who aren't at the end of their success story. Um, and that's also, I think, something that sets Han apart from some of these other sort of more global, maybe more known female networks is that they're focusing on the CEO in everyone, the, you know, the boss in everyone. Um, but I think that's not realistic. Mm. I think that if you want to speak to people and to the masses of, of women, um, you really need to understand that everyone is in a different place. Not everyone wants the same thing. Not yes. everyone has the opportunities to have the same thing. Um, and so, you know, bringing in people like someone like Nora, who's in the beginning stages of sort of her company. Yes. Um, and someone, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uniting tech, <laughs> unifying tech. Um, and someone like Sophia, who has had the experience, but she's still deciding to do more yeah. with, with her power, I think is amazing. Um, and there's such different dynamics, different people, um, but yes. they're both going to speak to a different audience um, in the same community. And I think that's so cool. It's, it will be valuable yeah. for everyone yeah, going. And I, I think hope so too. you can spread it wider. And yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you grow this. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to see how it goes. <laughs> thank you very much for taking the time. Yes, of sharing. course. Thanks for having me. Ha ha ha.